0: you know, hard lemonade doesn't mean it, it, it's alcoholic you know no it could just
1: mean dad left it in the freezer too long <laughs>
0: yeah well um but it's got lemonade always set on a timer field.
1: people if you're gonna fast chill your beers put why set a timer
2: yeah because is- i always forget and then it explodes that's, that's devastating <laughs>
1: Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are our proud sponsor of this. And this is Good Brews Week. I am your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. And Claire, the boom in the room, Burnett. G'day, Claire.
2: <laughs> hey, Pete.
1: Glad you could join us again. Um, now. We're gonna ask you to just uh, one small favour, Claire. Okay. Just, just tone it down a
0: bit this week, all right?
2: <laughs> I've got a lot of personality here. Yeah, okay.
1: No, my listeners was, listeners complaining that they couldn't hear Matt.
0: <laughs> Thank you to the listeners that did note that we we, we did have a different um, editor like it. L- we we mm-hmm. have
1: we have Joe can't do it for one episode and the wheels fall off.
0: Correct. Well, no, no no they didn't complete they wobbled because the show still went out. It just didn't go out with the same audio quality. So, yes, we do apologise. Joe was absent last week and it did show.
2: She's back this week, though. She is so, back
0: this week. Yeah.
1: She is back to polish this turd that we call Good Brews Week. And there's a fair <laughs> bit to catch up with this week. I'm going to start off with a, a bit of a big announcement, Matt. I know I haven't, um, we haven't done this in pre-production or in rehearsal or anything, but um, I'm going to use this uh, episode as the opportunity to, to announce that I'm stepping down from um, from Good Brews Week. Are you? Um yeah, I'm uh, going to take up a uh, $100 million a year offer to go and do a podcast on um, Spotify. <laughs> oh,
2: <right. laughs> oh, my God, my heart just jumped to my chest. I was like, no.
0: So it's the Pete Mitchum experience, is it? <laughs> the Pete Mitchum experience. <laughs> Where you're going to expound on conspiracy Shout theories. Shout out to Joe
1: Rogan. No, Fairingham, that is That's gold. Like You think about how many episodes, like two, this is 272 that you and I have done of this plus – there's at least that many again on the it's cutting room floor. Prob- <laughs> yeah,
0: no, we've probably done over 400 episodes um, over and, over and it's, years. And it
1: is fair to say very humble beginnings. You had the the foresight way back when, over 10 years ago, to sort of say, you know, this podcasting thing, what do you think of it? And I said, I don't know, what is it? Because <laughs> uh, at that point, just to give a bit of history to it, I think I the only podcast that I was sort of familiar with was when you had your uh, you FM radio, you know, morning crew would do the funny bits and then, oh, this is going to be – we're going to put it out of a podcast. I go, well, why would I want to just listen to a replay of something I'll just listen to on the radio? So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't sort of get the thing. Uh, went along for the ride, worked out how to do it, and um, I, I don't think it's being uncharitable to say that, you know, we, we started um, wobbly and we've got a lot, a lot better. But, yeah, this podcasting thing is obviously how a lot of our listeners – um, digest their information. How they engage with the news concerning their their industry. So, Matt, well done for um for seeing the the potential so long ago.
0: Well, yeah, not not but but not being savvy enough to actually get a hundred million dollar contract to put on Spotify.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did that by way of sort of a bit of a hint. If you could just organise that for. Uh, before the next episode. That'd be great.
0: I'll work on it, Joe. Anyway, <laughs> we, we, we do have a lot to talk about this week, but uh, yeah, no, look, it's an it's, it's, it's interesting time for podcasts. Yeah, I, I really believe in the... It, it's a great way to have... The, the, the reason I started it was because when you write an article, when Claire and I are looking at the news, you know some of the discussions that we have about the story, which you can never put into a news article, are actually the really interesting things about the story. The podcast lets us, you know, we we get to do the news on the site, which, which matters, gives people the, you know, what's happening... And this just lets us do the discussion and fill in some of those gaps in a way that doesn't have to be quite as strictly journalistic. So yeah, it's it's a great medium and hopefully people uh, do enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, make sure you let your friends know, you share it on social media, you share it to the, um, if there's a conversation you think that people in the beer group that you follow on uh, Facebook or on Twitter.
1: Because it is fair to say, Matt, that the same black and white words can be read very differently and obviously affect different people very differently. Um, And a couple of the stories that we're going to touch on today uh, are certainly great examples of that. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: let's get on with those stories, Pete.
1: We shall do. Uh, Leading uh, the headlines this week, Matt, lockdown easing, but brewers remain cautious. Now, with lockdowns easing across the country, brewers are starting to reopen their venues, but many are remaining cautious. Uh, There's a sense in the industry that the scattergun and disjointed approach of state governments will adversely affect an industry that has already taken a major blow. In the Northern Territory, pubs were reopened on the 15th of May with minimal restrictions, though this led to a number of venues being warned for breaching social distancing rules, with one Darwin venue receiving a fine of more than $5,000 as a result. I think the scattergun approach, that's the bit. Does it show that we are, or, or does this affect differently the, let's call them the national brands? So. The, uh, the bigger brands that, that you can pretty much find in any of the major, you know, big box beer retailers. Whereas is it an opportunity for all the Sydney brewers to say, let's just look after our Sydney venues and our Sydney suppliers and Melbourne to do the same and Brisbane to do the same and do you think that will continue on or do you think we're just, we're just sitting back waiting until the whole country's reopened again?
0: I'm actually going to hand this on to Claire because she did the did the article and she spoke to a lot of brewers and got a lot of feedback. So
2: Yeah, and I think it was really interesting, the diversity of opinion on that. So, for example, Young Henry said, no, we're not opening because we want to support our um, local venues that we supply. Um, we don't want to be a competition for them. So, obviously, they've done, crunched the numbers and thought, right, well, we're okay for a little bit. We can hold out for a little bit longer, and they'll still sell our beers in their pubs and stuff like that. If Although,
0: you're and, and, and just oh before God. we move on, well, no, look, and, and all credit to them because it's a, it's, a, it's a very noble thing to say. But I think when your business is Young Henry's are one of the one, one of the businesses that makes much more from their keg sales wholesale, oh, yeah. than they do from their, their their own brew pub, which is yeah, a little yeah. bit more of a touching point. So you know, whilst they're saying. Um, you know and, and take nothing away from them but they have the luxury of saying that and turning that into a marketing angle absolutely um, and when you absolutely. see their cans and everything you know nationally so so good on them for, for yeah. doing it but let's not forget that there is a little bit of mm-hmm. self-serving oh but i in mean that.
2: that's exactly it that's why i say diversity because that's perfectly acceptable for them whereas it's not for a little brew pub that needs to open its venue because that's they were doing online sales they were doing deliveries but it just wasn't making up for those venue Mm. sales Um, so yeah that's why I say and somewhere like um, so other side over in Perth Frio Social that's not opening up that's a massive venue it's a beautiful venue it would be ridiculous to open something like that unless you had like a little area that you could cut off and it wouldn't look weird that you only had 20 people in or 50 people uh, in that kind of space Um, I know Bodgergy actually down in Melbourne has opened up as well, I think, and Bodrigui's got a massive venue, but I think it's got that little moon dog Moondog another yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And both of those have very large floor space areas, mm-hmm. so I exactly. guess that's probably a little bit easier to, uh, to be seen to be social distancing. Mm-hmm.
2: And it doesn't help that every state has a different bloody rule, and different restrictions and some of them are more onerous than others and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah it, it it it's a mad one and over in the uk i was talking to some mates and um they've only got a limit of 10 across the whole country so you can only have 10 people, 10 out people across the whole country across the, whole, the whole country, country. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. You imagine 10 people in a venue imagine the queue for that <laughs> <laughs> and no, the to the kids of them. today and
1: they won't believe it <laughs>
2: No, exactly but that's just a tiny amount so actually we're doing reasonably well but yeah as, as we say it's just entirely dependent on the individual um business the way they operate the way they think that they will be able to operate and whether that can be sustainable um for the in the coming weeks as well as the different state restrictions and the city restrictions and all right then pop
1: quiz for you, uh, for claire and matt God. um pubs are back open is everyone going rushing out is everyone going to uh you know beat down the doors of their their local because they haven't been able to go in the last eight weeks
2: I don't know I think because of lots of people having to book in, they're mm. all just like, "Oh, I'll wait until it's like properly open because it's i don't I don't know about anybody else, but I don't really like to be." constrained to a booking I just like to spontaneously turn up whenever I feel like
0: (laughs) and and there is a bit of that yeah I I get the feeling that some people are really keen to get out and support venues um, but I don't know how much it is just oh you know this being locked up I've been aching to get out Um, you know I'd want to get out but again as Claire said when it's too structured in having to do that um, my decision will be based on supporting a venue as opposed to um, feeling the need to, to go out because you still can't have that same casual experience that makes a pub fantastic or makes a brew pub fantastic. In
1: terms of volumetric measurement, um, is everyone keen to get out because they haven't been drinking as much while they've been drinking at home or, as we are led to believe, <laughs> they have been drinking far too much?
0: <laughs> I, look, I've been very conscious of how much I've been drinking um, at home. I've been, I've oh, been aware oh, no. of it.
2: No, I've... I- to start off with, I don't know about you guys, but I was definitely drinking a little bit more. Mm. And then at the, then like two weeks in, I was like, oh, no, this is hurting. I can't be doing this every day. I can't come into work. <laughs> Do you think part
1: and- of it too, particularly early on, and I think for a lot of people this was the case, was that if you don't have to get up early the next morning uh, because you've got a 90-minute commute, if you don't have to wait that hour and a half to get home at the end of the day to, to enjoy the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that – if you're going to have three beers uh, you know, uh, over the – say, your dinner period, whether you have them between five and seven or you have them between seven and nine, I don't think a lot of people – yes, I'm sure there would have been the case where there was, you know, one or two more, but I think too that that was more than balanced out by the fact that if you do go out to a venue and you're with a group of mates, oh, one more. And you might have one more than yeah. you had planned to have or that you would have had if you were if you were at home.
0: That's a And, of course, this leads
1: point. into yeah. you know, the the story this week. The anti-alcohol lobby adopts a drink-wise campaign concept. Yeah,
0: I, I, I love this one. Um, it, was,
2: it was a complicated one, though, actually. I've, I found it quite a bit of a struggle to – there were so many different strands to it and everybody doing different campaigns and thinking they have different motivations and stuff. And I was just a bit like <sighs> – but come uh, on, guys. It's all the bloody same. That, that's that, – that's,
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> look, um, to the background of this story, we I, I saw um, come up in my feed that the Alcohol and Drug Foundation was running a media campaign where it had children um, having a Zoom meeting Using the words that you would have heard parents say. And a lot of those are some, you know, from of those wine mum memes and some of the, you know, sort of the, the beer memes beer that you clock see, beer o'clock and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And you had children parroting them. And it was meant, and, and the, the tagline is, um, I mean, what is it?
2: It's. You may have been drinking more during isolation, but you haven't been drinking alone. Drinking
0: alone, yeah. And I, straight away I thought, oh, that's interesting. Drinkwise, you know, is, is doing a campaign on that. And the reason I thought that was because in 2008, I remember being really impressed. With a uh, a campaign, and and you can click through to see it on see all of these um, on the article, or we'll link to it in the show notes. But they had that terrific ad where the dad sends his kid off to get him a beer, and then you know it, it, it's nicely cut. So as the kid's coming back, he becomes himself, grown up, and speaks to getting his sons to going yeah and yeah. um and then I, I, actually it was very Pete, very very well edited it was yeah, a very well really crafted well shot, wasn't it? but it was also the interesting thing about it at the time was that you know beer ads have a style that even when the, the the blokes look a little bit you know unkempt and you know scruffy they still manage to pull off the fact that they're pretty good looking bucks under the the, the scruffiness when when you look at the <laughs> um the Are you suggesting that
1: a real-life hangover mat looks very different to a TV (laughs) (laughs) one? Yeah, very,
0: very very much so. But colours were very washed out in the ad to make it look a little bit drab and dreary. You know, so it wasn't making beer colourful. Like a beer ads are always, you know, sort of hyper colourised and sort of making the product look amazing. Whereas the the, the DrinkWise um, awareness commercial was all of those things that make you realise that it was something that was not making beer glamorous and sexy and stylised. Um, and it was a re- I thought it was a really, really effective, powerful ad at the time. But of course, DrinkWise has been absolutely slammed by the Foundation for Alcohol... Sorry, um, Found Anecdote Research Ends. Um, when you go looking at the way that DrinkWise is looked at by people like the Alcohol and Drug Foundation, they constantly refer to it as you know, essentially a stooge of the alcohol lobby, um, lump it, you know, say that these guys are as bad as the tobacco lobby you know, who were you know, getting doctors to say that cigarettes were good for you and all of those sorts of things. And so suddenly when they do an ad, they take exactly the same insight and exactly the same campaign that drink wise are going, and to to me, I sort of think, well, look, you, know, it, it, you you make a fair point with your ad, but doesn't that undermine your ability to criticise a highly effective anti drinking ad? And it just, yeah, to to me, it was just one of those examples of we will gainsay anything that they say because to give them credit um, for anything essentially undermines our argument, and that just absolutely shows me that um, you know a lot of the that. It's not alcohol, you know the what uh, the a d f is the alcohol, alcohol and drug, drug foundation. foundation yeah um why are know,
2: there two of them as well there's them fair Vic health, which are so anti how are there so many
0: Capra. <laughs> and, and so many of the researchers you know oh, Capra. you know I, I exist in 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 between them all so that that's the thing and when when you call it so anyway, so look go have a look at the ads because yeah. And the, I'll just point
1: out to, to Matt, just to, not to correct you, but just by way of uh, correction, uh, the <laughs> so the, the drinkwise ad wasn't an anti-drinking ad as such. It was a be aware that I, so, uh, your drinking has consequences. I, sorry, yes, outside but, of your own health.
0: But but that's what everyone's trying to do. And I, I yeah. you know, drink drinkwise, it
1: it's fine. It's it's you know part of a healthy lifestyle. It's part of what made this country great and still does and, and always will. But just be aware. And that's the whole thing too. Um, It it was was interesting that uh, Andrew Wilsmore, who's the chief executive officer of Alcoholic Beverages Australia, he's criticised the representation of drinking during COVID-19 in the advert. The advert plays into widely circulated claims, Matt, that people are drinking more alcohol during lockdown. However, following an initial surge when it was unclear if bottle shops would be considered an essential service, so there there was a spike early on because people thought, i better buy two months worth in one day, Mm not I'm going to drink two months' worth in one day.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but then uh, both Endeavour Drinks Group and Coles Liquor reported that sales have since normalised. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, and there's the same, a, an
1: yeah. interesting quote I thought from Andrew which was, the fact Australians have tried to replace just a few of those lost moments, uh, as in, you know, drinking uh, in, in the pub with, with friends, yep. with a drink with friends over Zoom isn't something that needs demonising, especially when per capita consumption is at 50-year lows. Underage drinking is at its lowest point on record and our youngest generation is drinking more responsibly than ever before
2: oh there we go strongly well said, more
1: said. Uh, well said <laughs> strong can I, words
2: can i just point out as well that the uh, adf advert was based on a survey that they did of a thousand australian parents and of them 29 percent said they were drinking more um if they had school age kids and then of that 19 percent said that That was because they were socialising on like Zoom and video conferencing and house party and stuff. Um, That's 55 people out of a 1,000 people. That's like minuscule. How can you base a whole campaign on a tiny little fraction like that?
0: Well, when you go looking at Fed, you know, that campaign where they said 137 ads an hour for alcohol Mm -hmm. um, on Facebook, that was based on one person. And they've actually (laughs) based a campaign on it saying, this is how you are being targeted. And you're going, well... Anyway, oh. we won't go back into the uh, God bless biases. the algorithm.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, anyway, it just so- shows that the, the algorithm is working. Uh, <laughs> next story. Speaking of beer, uh, Asahi CV sees loss of significant competitor, says the ACCC. With CB now safely in <laughs> Asahi's hands, a competition assessment conducted by the ACCC shows it allowed the sale, despite Asahi having a significant impact on competition. Um, the ACCC found that neither future market entrants nor Australia's 600 craft brewers were likely to replicate Asahi's competitive presence, and the regulator instead appears to be betting on the strength of the divested Bex and Stella brands to replace that competition. So, Matt, uh, you made an interesting point uh, off air before we began recording. Um, th- you know, ACCC sitting there like Dr. Evil, you know, throw me a freaking bone. And, uh, <laughs> and Asahi says... Okay, we'll uh, get rid of
0: um, oh, Bex and Stella,
1: which we don't want anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I
1: said, okay, yeah, that's fine.
0: But I was a little bit gobsmacked when I saw the um, competitive analysis because I remember reading the one when the ACCC found that Coopers, um, you know, and at that stage there was really only the big two and Coopers. And back in the mid uh, 2000s, Um, when Lyon wanted to buy Coopers, uh, the ACCC found there would be no loss of competition for for a whole lot of complicated reasons. And now suddenly they were saying that at 3.5% of the market, Asahi was an active competitor against uh, Lion and CUB, essentially keeping their pricing honest, but then has found a way to permit um, Asahi to merge with CUB by getting rid of these two brands. Um, so on one hand, it sort of said small players can be effective um, competition, but they also said that the current small players are unlikely to provide competition to the big two players um, because you know the 600 small brewers provide consumer choice, but they don't provide competition. And you need... Um, Brand awareness along with marketing expenditure are extremely important to increasing the share in the beer market. Um, and so essentially saying that a big brand, you know, big well-known brand like Bex and Stella, with a big marketing push behind them, is what you need. Um, now, we don't know who is going to buy these two brands, but given that it's likely to be Cooper's um, CCA Amytil, and CCA Amytil are the the hot tip to take some of them on, um, or a private equity, short of a private equity, people coming on, the ACCC has all they have done is further allowed the market to condense. So um, it, it was just a really, really interesting bit of reasoning um, from the C, And I really get the feeling that there's a little bit of you know regulator lock um, going on here. And that's where the regulator works so closely with the industry that they become almost imprisoned to the thinking of the industry. and uh, And that's where... The the point that you made was I you know I suspect that you know this market um, uh, market analysis or the market research that the A Triple C has done has been speaking to the corporate um, bods in CUB and Asahi and they've sort of said well look you know you need a strong brand that's well-resourced to compete against us. So how about we get rid of these two brands that, you know, when we've got 37 international brands now, um, we're not really going to be able to use because they essentially, you know, Stella plays second fiddle to Peroni, which is the brand that they've kept, and Bex is kind of like a, a nothing brand really anyway. I think it only comes out whenever the football's on or something to, to football sponsor. Yeah, barely see um, Yeah, so uh, they, they've almost, you know played a smoke and mirrors game. But we'll, you know, we'll, we'll we'll, see.
1: Look, it's always going to be difficult too in terms of the way the Australian market behaves compared to other um, similar sizes, I guess. And, and you look at, you know, we, we've got a country that's the size of America, but we've got a population that's, what, two-thirds of um, Californias. Yep. You know, sp- a, 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 and, and sort of spread far and wide. So it's, it's going to be a lot... Yeah, it, it, the, 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 the competition, uh, I guess, you know, the... Uh, what is it, you know, reaction, action and reaction, all that sort of stuff um, is always going to be quite
0: unique. It, it did raise an interesting point about, you know, craft brewers, for example. Because, you know, I, I honestly think that they do make a good point that once you get to a certain size, it is, um, what was the phrase that they used? It was, uh, you know, a brand awareness along with marketing expenditure, extremely important. And, you know, you, you do see it. We've seen it internationally. And we've talked about the glass ceiling that, you um, Craft breweries operate, and it's a theory that I've had for a while that you see, you know, breweries like New Belgium, you see breweries like um, uh, even Sierra Nevada, they get to a size and they don't seem to be able to go to the next level because craft, you know, it, it, it's almost as if craft is self limited. And once you get out of that craft bubble, once you sort of hit that glass, uh, unless you're marketing the way that the big boys do and you engage in those tried and proven. Um, business methods, you don't keep growing, and that's where you know. I, I, I think the ACCC does make a point, but then again, making it harder for the small competitors to compete by ever increasing the concentration of the industry doesn't help. And Matt, either. speaking
1: of the uh, the small competitors uh, and their fan base, as is often the case, the um, the comments in <laughs> in the stories <laughs> yeah. uh, do sort of show, I guess, another side to the way that. Um, competition and independence and craft is seen by the um the Australian beer drinker
0: yeah look it it's interesting you you always get you know a Stephen brooks from is it
1: captain bligh in Hobart? captain is down captain in
0: you can always a light on. Oh yeah, no great little venue, um, great little brewery. He won't have
1: a problem with social distancing because you can only fit about six people in there at <laughs> yeah. any one time anyway.
0: And Stephen is an absolute passionate advocate for local, but you know, so, so he made the point. You know, this is just going to be sort of helping foreign economies by you know, you know, taking your money overseas. And you know, I had to sort of you know step in because the the, the argument is much more nuanced. Yes, um, one
1: the, the profit, know, yes.
0: Yeah, but you know, a lot of people are employed in Australia by Asahi. Um, in, in in fact, Asahi employs more people in Australia than Cub did because they've got all of their drinks businesses as well. I think Cub like right, non
2: alcoholic beverages. Yeah, all, the, all of yeah. their
0: soft drinks and their distribution arms and anyway, they, they do have a range of non alcohol businesses. Um, and I think they employ close to two thousand people. Cub employed sixteen hundred. So there are a lot of people who will be you know their mortgages are dependent on this foreign owned company. The, the the big brewers tend to buy, you know, local um, barley. They tend to buy local sugar, um, you know, and l- use local suppliers a- as well. So there is a lot of economic benefit to to their op- to them operating. They're not as inefficient as craft breweries who employ more people per liter, um, and that's and that's a, a strong argument that you can make. But I always get a little bit, you know, I, I get a little bit cynical when I see people bagging that drum um you know that oh you know spend your money you know support a local business um because over the last couple of weeks i've seen local you know businesses saying you know keeping local alive using that campaign when they're a local bar you know that 80 percent of their shelves are stocked with imported beers to my way of thinking you know if, if independence matters i don't know how australians supporting an american independent brewery assists our local market at all, you know. It's just one of those complicated things that it becomes a marketing slogan that you just bandy around.
2: And it's interesting, like imagine if an Australian company had bought CEB, what would they say then? Because an Australian company kept the profits within the country. Well, they they still wouldn't
0: like it because it's big.
2: Exactly, they'd find out something else to Hmm. have a go at.
0: (laughs) And and I'm not saying, and and, like I'm not having a go at anyone that I sort of mentioned. I'm not sort of having a go, but I'm just saying that, you know, when you just weigh in and say this is bad because the money's going off, it, it's it's always a little bit more nuanced than that, you know. Un- unless you are an Australian-owned brewery using all of your ingredients in Australia, the brewery swag that you sell is you know shirts made in Australia, not made in China. You you, you know every the the, the the more rapidly you parrot these um, I- expressions, the, the 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 less they actually mean.
2: And Asahi does pay tax there, which is quite a nice change. Well, like yes, so,
0: well, <laughs> let, let's see whether... Uh, they, they, so <laughs> we'll have a look this year, shall we? It, see, it'll be we? interesting to see whether <laughs> CUB uh, joins Asahi in paying tax here.
2: Ooh, that'd be nice.
0: Although Asahi, I, I, I think that's the CUB thing, trend goes back to when they lost billions of dollars on their failed <laughs> wine ventures. We shall wait and see. Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're, so, yeah they're still writing that off, aren't they? You're, um, yeah, <laughs> you're very quiet there, Pete.
2: Yeah, what do you Spingers. think, Pete?
1: Speaking of uh, (laughs) non-beer-related news, uh, ABAC upholds a hard lemonade complaint. Alcohol advertising watchdog ABAC has upheld a complaint against the marketing of Boston Brewing Co.'s peach lemonade. The complainant wrote to ABAC that the packaging names the product peach lemonade, making it look like a soft drink. The complainant also alleged uh, argued that the marketing doesn't mention the alcohol content or that it is in the alcohol category as such the complainant said that it would have a stronger evident appeal to minors which is banned under the ABAC code ABAC ruled the both packaging and the instagram post breached the code um and we should point out because i didn't realize uh the boston brewing company is where matt in wa
0: it's uh in denmark denmark wa yeah so, uh, I don't That's know the background again. behind the story. But yeah, it's just so Boston, Boston beer is in the, in the US's <laughs> largest. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have
2: to look into why that is. Uh, I believe they opened up a It is But yeah,
0: it is not an
1: import from uh, no, America's no, no, no. largest independent brewer.
2: No, they are, yeah, they are an Australian, a small Australian. I think they've got a brew pub in Denmark. They opened their second venue Towards the end of last year, I believe.
1: I, I would have thought, even if you're small and even if you're over in the far reaches of, you know, Australia's most isolated <laughs> uh, capital, that you would know that you, you know, peach lemonade, kind of doesn't sound like it's alcoholic.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, isn't it peach and aid to begin with?
2: Ah, it should be.
0: And funnily enough, Pete, like again, not having a go at the the, the the brewery, but this is a great example of where if you're not doing your marketing with um, the ABAC, with, with ABAC or the Alcohol Beverage's Advertising Code, because it's not the ABAC code, because that's like ATM machines. Yes, that is true. Anyway. Um, or pin number. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> we digress. Uh, where, where what was, was I talking I? about? I just saw a squirrel. <laughs> um, no, but, but when you look at the can, so it's Boston Brewing. Do code, your homework. And it just says peach lemonade, gluten-free. Um, and... You know, the complainant, uh, the company's response is that the peach lemonade flat can shows that the can does indeed depict the 4% ABV, so, you know, when you turn the can around, essentially, at 1.2. It also shows the image depicting not uh, drink when pregnant. Um, The comment that this is advertising to children is not true, and this is where it gets really complicated, because the complainant, or really, this is where it comes down to a professional complainant, because the complainant is saying that this is advertising to children, I mean, in no way, shape, or or form... It would have a strong or evident
1: appeal to minors.
0: Well, no, they were actually arguing that, yeah, um, but but they're sort of saying that it was deliberately um, so. I, I think this is just an ignorance of the requirements of ABAC because they've just put something out that says pink lemonade... They're targeting adults, and so they assume, because they go on to say, our business is Boston Brewing Company. It is a brewing company and targeted to 18-plus only. Children should not be on our Facebook or Instagram pages. I think it also raises more concerns relating to parents and what children are able to access. Regardless of whether it is in the fridge at a parent's house, this is also a concern around the parents. If a child is able to read the word lemonade, then they should also be at an age where they to understand that they are allowed to drink and what it is for their parents, or it should be kept out of reach. As, so, you know... This is falling back on. It's not our fault if it falls in the hands of children, and we don't have to do anything to protect our product. And you know, this is where I always come back to. When you enter the alcohol business, you are entering a particular category of business. You know, alcohol has obligations around it. You know, over and above um, anything that, others else. don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, to sort of say, well, if they're old enough to read lemonade, they should be able to turn the can around and know that this is not. The normal lemonade that they know, and and that's just, is an argument though that if kid? the kids
1: old enough to go and help themselves to something from the fridge, that they should also then be able to read make, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, well, be, I don't know. You can read lemonade at a pretty young
0: that. age and not understand the, the you know what alcohol of is, yeah, <laughs> um, and and but understand what you know, what alcohol is, and you know that that thing that mum and dad drink, and you know I, I just think that that's it, it's it's a pretty naive attitude um in that sense but it is um, interesting
2: that they said that because then they also said but we'll change the Instagram post and we'll also change the packaging
0: well that's just sort of you know um yeah.
2: so if they really thought that though to, then, to, then well, they should just double down and say
0: well they're, F- they're not well, it, it also focus
1: too that you know uh, one brewery's marketing and labeling is everybody's because it does affect it because it, the more complaints come in then the harder you know uh, people like ABAC are, are going to push, I would yeah. imagine, too. Yeah,
0: exactly. Th- th- that's a good point. All you know, right I will yeah. be actually interesting because they've suggested that they're going to change the label to peach hard lemonade and bring the ABV... Four percent to the front.
2: I wonder if that. Yeah, would the I, hard I'm, make it? Well,
0: I, I, if I was them, I would still be getting that pre-vetted. Um, mm, I
2: you, think they said they well, would. Well, a
0: kid, a kid might also think
1: four percent means the you know the peach concentration. Might if you're yeah, not, it's not it's very peachy, peachy, this lemonade.
0: Yeah, but, but <laughs> if if you've got um, hard, doesn't mean anything. You know, hard lemonade doesn't mean it, it, it's alcoholic. You know, no, it could is, just
1: mean dead it in the freezer too long. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: um, but it's got lemonade. Always set a
1: timer, people. If you're gonna fast chill your Beers. Put well, waste set a timer.
2: Yeah. Because I always forget and then it explodes. That's, that's devastating.
1: It. <laughs> <laughs> now Matt, did the did the complaint um, mention whether or not it was a, a self adhesive label or was it a shrink wrap can? Oh.
0: Well, it looks like the, the the flat label it looks like they've got, it looks like it's one of those little wraparound strip labels. So maybe we could help them out, Pete. And if you know, if if you wanted to fix up your packaging so you didn't conflict with ABAC
2: <laughs> Or you have messed I... up with ABAC and need a new label.
0: The team
1: at Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging will walk you through the various options available to you. More sustainable than applying self-adhesive labels, which don't help the environment at all. Now, they do produce self-adhesive labels for many breweries. This is Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging. Um, But there's a much better way to ensure that your carbon footprint is lower than what you are currently doing by using pre-sleeved cans. But Matt, Claire, I would give the guys a call on 1300 852 235. Don't believe me. Ring them and find out for yourselves. one 852 235 to find out more. Seamless. Oh, Just stupid. like a rellings shrink-sleeve shrink, shrink sleeve can <laughs> label. It's
2: a bit of a mouthful,
1: that. Seamless. Now, small brewers are the heroes of local pubs as restrictions lift, Matt. Apparently, you can't get a CB beer anywhere in the country at the moment <laughs> because they didn't realise that um, the restrictions would at some point um, be released. Yeah, some of our regular <laughs> correspondents have
0: um, have been su- 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 suggesting that. Uh, look, I'll, I'll call them conspiracy theories. Like there has been some scuttlebutt going around <laughs> the pub that you know um, I think it was to the effect that Cub decided to service its kegging lines and then suddenly got caught um, flat-footed. That is a
2: very detailed theory.
0: It's oh no! Read some of the Kennedy assassination <laughs> theories, and then you'll see some. Uh... So, so it's, it's, it's not up there with that, but the, the, the suggestion. Just watch is... conspiracy with Mel
1: Gibson. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, like, another good Black one. helicopters oh. hovering yeah. over some of the CUB pubs,
0: and, and and never buy a copy of Catcher in the Rye because suddenly uh, they'll be tracking you. But anyway, oh, that's it. Um, you'll be flagged. <laughs> yeah, look. Uh, as it's with a shit book anyway. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> rubbish. I, I, I haven't boring. read it. Because um, I'm long. not a serial killer. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> get come on, come on, <laughs> um, But anyway, as with most, I, I've been harassing contacts at Cub to, um, you know, during a very busy week when they've also been acquired by another company um, to try and get to the bottom of this. And as is often the case, um, the truth is much simpler than the conspiracy theory. Um, I, I think I think there's something like thirty to forty thousand licensed venues in the country that are all suddenly starting to come out of lockdown, having not ordered any keg products for eight weeks.
1: That's part of ten weeks, yeah.
0: Yeah, and suddenly everyone is ordering at the same time, and you know you you saw what that did to our toilet paper supplies. Mm-hmm. There was never a toilet paper shortage there was a supply shortage because they couldn't get it out to the shelves fast enough. And that's a little bit the same with what's happening apparently with CUB. Um, You know, getting beers across the Nullarbor, CUB doesn't have a WA brewery. Um, So the... That there's no issues with packaging. There's no shortage of beer. It's physically getting it out to everybody that they are imposing some small limits. Now there was also some suggestion that they were redating kegs that had been taken back. Um, I've been told.
2: What that, is the purpose of that? Why would someone do that?
0: Well, basically, well, you take an eight-week-old keg, but you put a
1: new sticker on it that says it was. Oh, it's so the beer date oh, is yeah. now. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so not a result. brood on date, but a best Buy date. Yeah,
0: I can't see. Um,
1: yeah, I, I'm
2: I can't, not sure they're allowed to do that. I would have thought. Um, they
0: well, they that? could, but it's bad business. And if yeah. they do it, as they do it as trans as obviously as the the photos that were posted, then it's not good for your business. <laughs> you know, so no. like you, you'd kind of. I, I can't say that they didn't do it, but you'd sort of think that they're smarter than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, then the again, stuff's also got an 18 month, you know, uh,
1: best uh, before anyway, isn't
0: it? Well. It, 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 it doesn't. I mean, beer doesn't go off. Like that's the thing. Like it, it doesn't spoil. It just doesn't taste as good. So, um, and I would have thought that they would. You know, they, they spend so much time and effort in, in a way that consumers very rarely see to make sure that their beer is at peak condition. Um, yeah. That I'd be very and surprised look at, if they would To that as well,
1: that and as part of the story, I don't think that small independent brewers are going to get a shot at the you know the big ALH. Taps, But I think what it has shown is that there's been a great opportunity for some of the brewers in the smaller regional areas to create an arrangement, uh, create a relationship with the local hotelier that may not have been available to them before um, because, look, well, I've got beer. Do you want some? Yeah. I, can, I can give you a couple of taps right now. They may not last, but I think it's great that at least some of the, the locals um, will be able to have access to uh, locally brewed beer outside of the the venue itself, Absolutely. outside of the, you the brewery that will come to, and that's got that's got to be a good thing.
0: Mm. And and don't forget that this is one story about one brewer who has picked up, you know, maybe a couple of taps in his local area.
2: Yeah, it it sounded like it was a whole it was like, a, trend, it, it, and then I read it and I was like, the it sounded one like brewery. it was a local.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was one brewery in a local paper, um, and which is great. If we you're a local it. paper looking to for an angle to do a story, then sometimes you can sort of come up with something that sounds much bigger trend than it is. Mm.
1: You don't think though that um, perhaps some smaller brewers with some uh, smaller scale hotels around them, uh, even if the, it's a bit of package stock?
0: I absolutely yeah. no I, I absolutely I absolutely yeah, think yeah. that there is the potential for that to happen. All, all I was saying is that I don't think the one article that we've seen highlighting it is proof of yeah, a, no, oh, is proof of that trend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, actually, Pete, just to tease um, next week's beer is a conversation um, that I recorded yesterday. Because it it, it, it's sort of on a similar theme. Spoke to Kylie Lethbridge, the new GM of the IBA. Um, Yes. Sat down. Sorry. Yes, I sat down remotely and had a really great conversation with her yesterday, and sort of, you know, expected there was a whole range of topics I expected to talk about. Um, Very early in the piece, she threw in this little nugget that I didn't know that. she lives in regional Victoria, um, up at the uh, Macedon. Um, has worked for a lot of councils, um, you, know, is, you know, in tourism. But she was also a part owner of a pub up there. Um, I love it. Yeah, a pub. No, no, a pub. Okay. Um, it was, it was a little um, from from the sound of it, from the way that she described it, it was a very marginal failing pub that her family bought into, um, and you know, turned it around into make it a bit more of a tourism venture. And so she had a very unique perspective about how craft beer um, and how you turn a pub from being a place for locals to be something that is attractive to visitors that doesn't look like it's a uh, you know the haunt of the locals exclusively and you know getting beer yeah, on. Uh, at the well, pub. I
1: might I might head up to that. I'm heading up that way to do a beer is a conversation with um, one of the guys who's uh, part of the co-op brewery up there called Rock and Rangers Brewery. Yep.
2: Hey. We know right. a guy from right. there as well. Right. We know the guy. A guy came into the office the other day. He works in the office next door. They work in aviation. He was like, "Oh, I uh, I'm a part owner of Rock and Rangers," and we were like, "What? It's a small they world." Don't we? That was a while I think
1: ago. last I heard. There were I think about twenty five people who were who were signed on, and basically you you sign on you know, like a subscription sort of thing. So you basically your subscription. Helps to brew that beer, and you get some of that beer. So it's yeah. it's a kind of a non not not for profit, but cool. it's certainly growing. And um, Cole Cameron, who's um, uh, Gabs' uh, frequent Gabs, people would know Cole. Cole is the drummer with um, with the Ale Capones. Ah, yeah, and yeah. he sort of it's it's part of his his brainchild.
0: Man, I'm looking forward awesome. to you getting out uh, of lockdown and taking a yeah, brand nice new uh, Zoom H6 that I bought you. That is as yet unused. Wish. <gasps> yeah. Still in the wrapping. <laughs> My, I, I think you got it just. I've got, before. I've got to get a power adapter oh, no. for it. I, I think you got it forward, just so. before lockdown. So oh,
1: I, did. Um, I did. I did. But look, I have I have had the opportunity to tee up uh, a number of people that you know. Look, when this is when when it's yeah. available. Uh, yeah.
0: But but, so but anyway, The end of that tease is because this was this nugget, we had this great 15-minute chat about owning a regional pub and beer selection and bringing people on. I also got to ask the question of the general manager of the IBA whether or not she uh, employed tap contracts.
2: (gasps) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so you'll
0: have to wait be for, for the answer of that question next week. Oh, that's that, a
2: right teaser.
0: The answer <laughs> to that question and many more will be revealed <laughs> in episode two. But it was a great, it was a really, really good chat. So I look forward to that. And speaking of um, uh, uh, the great chats, the uh, you probably haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, Pete. The, the, the chat I had yesterday with Dermot O'Donnell or that went live yesterday. No, yet? I
1: haven't had a chance yet, but uh, great, great bloke. I, um I've uh, had the pleasure of um having a beer with Dermot and also judging with him and he's just a terrific bloke
0: a terrific bloke but he you know fifty years in the industry um you know, he's seen it
1: all he's heard it all but he he's seen I it all. Won't say he's and drunk at all, but. it all initially
0: it was one of the stories that came out of Claire and I having a chat um uh, about you know story ideas and you know, it was getting someone who's seen the rise of wine coolers, who's seen the rise of vodka cruisers, who's seen the rise of seltzers, and actually, to some Two extent, dogs. yeah, well, uh, um, Sub-Zero, um, yep. what w- was the beer, where when they were de um, uh their beers, um, when they were making, I think it was uh, low-alcohol beers. They were brewing them and then vacuuming out, you know, vacuum uh, distilling out the alcohol. So they had this alcohol and then they just decided to bung that into a... um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Why not? Water, sugar. (laughs) Yeah, 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 basically. Someone uh, will drink it. It (laughs) it goes back to the era of Bond and, you know, Bond bringing uh, um, these beers into uh, Iron City, um, which was the same sort of thing. And, you know, for anyone who thinks that seltzers are a new category um it just isn't so it was a really and and the thing that really stuck with me was him talking about the idea of a hook you know you need to make a product but ultimately the consumers need a hook to buy it and that can be low carb that can be healthy which is what we're seeing um but that's also something i think our craft brewing audience um needs to listen to as well you know what is the hook for your craft beer um is independence a strong enough hook um you know the, and that goes back to what Pete said so yeah so have, have a listen to it you've got 53 years of brewing experience um distilled and it could easily have gone for hours that conversation if, if we'd sort of dug a little bit into any of them so it did uh it was kind of like a stone skimming across the pond and uh we, we, we might go back and touch on some of those with uh, Dermot. and
1: I, I'm sure it's one of your uh one of your fine um good chats speaking of good chaps The people at Beer Cartel remind us that all letter writers will receive a Brews News bottle opener or something and go into the draw to win a mixed six pack. And that's thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. And now it's time, Matt and Claire, to delve into the mailbag. (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. costs nothing, um, but it does help other beer lovers find the podcast. Um, we did get lots of comments, and keep up the comments on the, uh, the Facebook group and also on the radio, uh, the Australian Brews News Facebook page. Uh, the comments, as I say, often give us far more information and entertainment um, than does the article itself. Uh, no offence to you, Claire, because the articles are always great, but I love the comments. Particularly when you get in and you do rude words. That's good.
2: (laughs) Sometimes it's required.
1: Um, uh, now, oh Matt, uh, our, just uh, getting word from our foreign correspondent, did, 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 um, <laughs> Josh Gable, in the Facebook group. French foreign correspondent here. See, so he's naming himself. He's, he's given himself a.
0: No, I gave title, him that title. Matt. No, 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 the, oh, that, that wasn't. Yeah, oh, okay. No, we, we caught up at with the, the first
1: um, day of bars opening up in France. The limits on people are based on actual building capacity and keeping a meter between tables. Mm, uh, right. You have to keep a mask on while standing or moving about to get to the bar. There's a hand hand sanitizer available at the entry and exit with a flow through the bar like Ikea. Did you – oh, look. And thank you for that, Josh. Um, there's a tension in the bars here as bar owners are trying to stick to the rules but some of the regular clients are showing up without masks and they just want to put some pints away. Um, <laughs> I, de- I decide oh, – I I, would you really want to get upset? Like, uh, look, nothing against the French. Some of my best friends are rude and arrogant. But um, <laughs> I, I would imagine – that it could be, there could be some interesting discussions with, yeah, with regulars. You know, I don't know what the French for "Don't you know who I am?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I decided I would go to my mates' brew pub in the centre of town. Uh, there are some clients that don't have masks, but they could stay outside and have takeaway bottles. That's interesting. Uh, I feel for the Aussies that uh, have a hard limit of of ten, uh, and that's true. And look, speaking of his um, his flow through the bar like IKEA, did anyone see the guy who who um, used during lockdown put fake um, arrows in his local Ikea and just made it a, a, an inescapable <laughs> labyrinth.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. And I bet everyone believed it as well. It just followed them uh, like lemons.
1: Uh, so thanks, Josh, for that uh, for that follow-up.
0: Uh, anything else, guys, before we go? Uh, yes, uh, just actually on uh, we, we did get an email overnight uh, in relation to the Dermot O'Donnell podcast, so the mailbag um, Malcolm Davies um, I enjoyed your latest uh, episode of Beer is a Conversation. It wasn't clear are the new hard seltzers excised under the beer category or the RTD. Uh, by the way, thank you for bringing back the memories. I was responsible for the success of Sub Zero throughout Asia. The stories I could tell. Um, we might. Have, that sounds like a cue to speak to Malcolm. Um, <laughs> I'd now, be interested.
1: I, I'd love to hear how you know. Why didn't? Because I was a. Um, a uh, an F&B manager at a restaurant chain when uh, the first, well, I think the first rounds were early '90s. We had uh, Sub Zero was the local one, but it was in answer to Mike's Hard Lemonade and Two Dogs, which are I think being imported. Um, and it was kind of like that was supposed to be, I think, either a male version of, the, of your um, your wine coolers or an alternative to wine coolers. But they and they but they disappeared as quickly as they started. Do you, do you guys think it'll happen again? Is this just a, another wave crashing on the shore and it'll be gone oh,
2: it's, it, to yeah. replace
1: by something else? Or is it here to stay?
2: That's the nature of stuff like that Claire, this. you're sponsored it...
1: by White Claw. What do you think?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare so me with White Claw.
1: Claire Burnett is proudly presented by <laughs> White Claw. <laughs>
2: They'd have to pay me an insane amount of money. Actually,
0: I saw and a quick grab. Them. I saw a news story yesterday that White Claw is 10% of the beer market. White Claw alone is 10% of the beer market. So. Huh? It, it's a it's a very rapidly uh, rising weight, but just is that in said, the state.
1: So is, over
0: it, it, no, that's it's in the US.
1: It, it's not a, a. Is it an FMB? A flavored malt beverage, so therefore counted in the beer category.
0: I, I believe it is. Yes. Oh, Okay. Um, but that's where. So to answer Malcolm's question, um, is it taxed as an RTD? It depends on how it's made, because there are a variety of ways you yeah. can make it. Mm-hmm. Products, and this, this is from the ATO, because I did ask them, because I understood that they were sniffing around different breweries um, and looking into how they're doing it. But the answer from the uh, ATO Media Unit, um, products described as alcoholic seltzers can fall into different excise categories depending on the ingredients used, method of production and alcohol strength of the final product. Where manufacturers want to produce a beverage that is classified to the excise rate for beer, they'll need to ensure that their product complies with the definition of beer found in the Schedule to the Excise Tariff Act 1921, the Schedule, page 57 so I'll link,
2: Ooh. I'll
0: link to that. Revesty. The ATO also monitors trends in the alcohol industry and advises the Treasury Department where they may have policy or revenue impacts.
2: So basically, they could be both. It could, it be, could, be, anything, could be anything, depending on
0: how it's made. So, yeah, so it, you need to be very careful. Which everyone's careful. going
1: to give the ATO the biggest kick, uh, bang for their buck. I reckon that's what they're going to deem it.
2: Mm.
0: And, if, and, and, and if they start noticing that, that it's affecting revenue, you may find that they'll change the definition of beer again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: Interesting. Uh, Matt. Thanks for joining us again.
0: Oh, mate. Thank you for being joined.
1: What's <laughs> the uh, What's the plan? What do you got on this week? Are you socially? Are you physically distancing uh, at a couple of uh, venues?
0: Ooh. I'm not. I might go for I'm a hike this I'm weekend. I'm off. I'm to
2: Brendale's got barbecue on tomorrow, so I'm off to go. <laughs> I, can't help I need to. I need to. No, I need I, to I, get another local. I, I live out in the middle of nowhere. That literally is my only local. I think Claire
0: is sponsored by uh, Brendale Brewing. Actually, given that she I did her podcast there, and that's her local. So,
1: <laughs> sorry. The only one year. She, banging on about it. Um, I'm sorry. We do thank uh, Alt, We do thank Relling's local stickers and packaging, and the guys at Beer Cartel for making all this pop- all this possible. And um, of course, uh, and thanks to Joe as well. And uh, thanks back, to you, you for uh, for listening.
2: And, and we thank you, Pete, for hosting. Yeah, thanks, Pete.
1: Anyway, I'm Pete Mitchum. I've been your host, and it's been a pleasure. I'm not really going to Spotify unless just waiting Good for day. the cash make, register, make waiting enough. for the offers to roll in. <laughs> you just never know. Good bloody thanks way. for joining us, and we'll catch you all again for next week for Good Brews Week. And we're out. Boom.